What's up, everybody? This is Mr. Cleveland, and this is the Faculty Meeting, the podcast about teachers, where we uh, basically put a personality to those people who are in front of your kids every day, uh, eight hours a day, and, you know, we, we call you on the phone, and we say things about your kids that are always true. Always. Is that, isn't that right? Yes. <laughs> okay. Because, you know, you got parents who, who say, why are you lying on my kid? Um, but we don't, we don't lie. I'm grown. I ain't got, I don't have any vendettas <laughs> against your child. Anyway, right. uh, on the phone with me today, uh, another former classmate of mine, this is Janice, um, uh, and we recently just had our 10 year reunion, so we got a chance to connect, uh, there. Uh, Janice, what? Yes. Okay. Just a quick, well, first of all, how are you doing? I am doing very well. Thank you for asking. How are you? I am okay. Uh, you know, I don't know how it works there. I go to school. And I'm I'm sorry. I teach in the South. And so, you mm-hmm. know, we start before Labor Day. Oh. Yeah. So I'm in my first okay. week of back to school, getting my classroom ready, development, planning, all that stuff. So, uh ah. I'm getting used to not waking up in the uh not waking up when I want to in the morning. Got you. I so, understand. Yeah, so I'm adjusting just a little bit. Um mm-hmm. you're still ha- on summer vacation. Yes, I am still on summer vacation trying to live up as much of it as I can because hmm. I know it is ending very soon here. Yeah, just remind me remind me how that feels. Like tell me what what have you been doing with your summer? Well, uh, this summer has actually been very, very busy for me. Um, But, you know, I've been sort of lounging a little bit. Uh, I was in Jamaica last week, Mm -hmm. um, so that was amazing. You know, getting time to catch up with family and friends and binge watch TV shows and, you know, but still very busy in terms of, like, doing um, work for school and, and other things like that, so. It's been a good mix of work and play. Okay. All right. Well, we'll get to some of that work and to some of the play a little a little later. Uh, but first, you are a fifth-year teacher. Yes. And when we spoke, I think you were kind of – I can't remember. Were you kind of up in the air about what you were going to teach, what's mm-hmm. grade and subject? So you know what you're doing now? Not exactly. Um, so I'm actually <laughs> in the process of moving – um, in a couple of weeks, I'll be moving to the East Coast. Um, oh, where? So at? I, yeah. So where to? I. You said where? Yeah, where? Maryland. Okay. Yeah. So um, I'm still, you know, sort of in the process of interviewing and things like that. Um, I do know that I am going to, you know, obviously still be teaching math, um, but you know, math at the high school level. But grade and um, particular, like, math content area, I'm not sure yet. Okay. Math teacher. Yeah. Awesome. I I was a really good math student, and now I look at, uh, I go into my friend's math classes sometimes, and I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm lost. Uh, <laughs> I'm, really? Yeah, I'm like, I don't remember this. <laughs> like, but I've never gotten anything lower than a B in math, so I I guess I did okay. Um, yeah. So just to just to start, you know, we like to start in the beginning. Um, you know, a lot of our students, uh, they see you in front of the class, and 
they, you know, we ask them to give their best efforts. And some of them think that we're perfect. You know, we, we obviously must be if we're asking them to be perfect, right? <laughs> uh, so <laughs> let's go back a little bit and talk to talk about, uh, well, one, where, where are you from? Where did you grow up? And um, what was school like for you? Okay. Well, I am from Detroit, west side of Detroit. Boss up. Um, <laughs> I um, grew up, you know, went through DPS. Uh, K through 12, except for two years, I went to a private school. But growing up, where'd you go? Um, I always for private school. Private school. Yeah, I went to Cornerstone for two years, okay. third and fourth grade. That's on um, that's off of ooh, that's across the street from the Winers Academy. No one out here. So not that one. That one was the the Nevada campus. I went to the Linwood campus off of uh, Linwood in Chicago. Oh, okay. I was gonna say like. Being a West Sider traveling to the East Side is Mm-mm. well. I know that because I born and raised on the East Side, and I still went to Renaissance. So I know really, that, yeah, I know that struggle. Uh, okay, yeah, no, 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 no. The the school actually wasn't too far from uh, where my dad used to work. So like sometimes he would like you know pick me up and we would go back to his job and stuff like that. Okay. But but yeah, so I went to uh, Barton Elementary. Um, for those years that I wasn't at Cornerstone, um, and then after Corner, after Barton left there and went to Halley, which is now like Paul Robeson, Malcolm X Academy, or something like that, and then um, Renaissance for high school. So, like I was saying, I always loved school. Always, you know, did my homework. Um, I was a good kid. I just talked a lot. So, like, <laughs> I always was done with my work before most kids yeah and so i would just talk to whoever i was sitting next to and it didn't matter who the teacher put me next to like i would talk to them i remember in middle school having like all a's and b's on my report card and like straight twos in citizenship <laughs> and my parents are like what that like what the heck what's going on with you and my social studies teacher told my dad like or no, we went to the conference, and my dad told my social studies teacher, like, listen, you have to give her something to do, because if you don't, she's going to talk. And that's what happened. Um, yeah, I had but, that you know, same I, struggle. Really? Yeah, I, I definitely had that same struggle. Like, I was straight A's, all, well, all through elementary school, and straight A's, and the only thing my teachers ever said to me, said about me was, like, he just talked so much, because he finishes mm-hmm. his work, like, way before everybody. So right, been there. Yeah, so that was that was my struggle. I didn't really get in like, you know, like severe severe trouble. Um, I just talked too much, and you know, I was I was afraid of my parents. So the teacher just told me a couple times to be quiet, and then I'm like, all right, I'm gonna chill because because my dad and my dad used to do like pop up visits too. Ooh wee. So uh Ooh wee. Yeah, so I wasn't getting too out of line because I did not want to see that big six foot one black man walking through that door because I already knew it was about to go down. What did your dad <laughs> do what did your dad do for a living to make him available for pop up visits? Because my mom just swore to God she could not leave work, which I now believe. <laughs> <laughs> so my dad uh was a truck driver. He retired a few years ago, but but yeah, he was a truck driver and when I was younger, um he actually no yo he was working he was working as a truck as a truck driver then too so like on his off days or like days where he would get off early mm-hmm. he would just show up and I'm talking about there was one day in elementary school I remember in particular I was in math class running my mouth 
and sure enough, he stepped foot through that door, and I thought I was going to lose it. And all my friends were like, oh, you think that's your daddy? I'm like, shut up talking to me. Like, I'm trying to act like I'm not doing nothing because he's shutting the door, you know? But, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, you're a pretty good student, and uh-huh. you decided to go to Renaissance. And. Eh. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about because what? Well, we mentioned Renaissance on here before, but one thing that we didn't mention is that it's one of those. Uh, it's like a a version of a magnet school. Um, right. You you take a test and they accept you or deny you, but there are like three. Well, how many schools are on that list now? Like three or four schools three, you test for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought Southeastern got on that list at one point. Really? Well, I think they have kind of like King. I think they have like a program that you test for. Got it. Got it. I didn't know that. Yeah, but so how did how did how did you end up at Renaissance? So, literally from like first grade, my parents were like, "You're going to Renaissance." Really? And so, yes. Is that I why they promise you? Is that why they sent you to Halley? No, I actually started off at Ann Arbor Trail. And um, I went to Ann Arbor Trail for like a couple of weeks, and they changed the the start time to nine o'clock. And my parents couldn't get me to school, so one of my friends from elementary school had started going to Halley, and she was telling me like, "Yo, you should come over here. You should come over here." And I don't even know. I somehow convinced my parents to let me go to Halley, and that's how I got over there. <laughs> like, literally, that was it. <laughs> well, Halley's a pretty good school, from what I hear. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was fantastic. And so you, so at that point it was just like, yeah, you're going. So how did how did they come up with Renaissance and not? Because my dad went to Cass, so we always go back and forth about it. <laughs> so how did they end up choosing Renaissance? For, I hate to say it this way, because but it is what happened. How did they choose Renaissance for you and not like send you to Cass? So all I knew, because literally I had been hearing this my entire childhood. All I knew was that Renaissance according to them, was the best school in the city, and that's where I was going to go. Now, to give you some context, my dad is not even from Detroit. My dad is from Mississippi. Oh, what my part? my mother, uh, Indianola. I, wow, never heard of it. But okay, go ahead. Yeah, like literally this big. Um, but he's from there, and he came up here to go to Eastern, and my mom graduated from McKenzie. So how they knew, but, but my dad knew a lot of people. My mom did, too. So I'm guessing, you know, just by... They found out Renaissance was the best, you know, school in the city. I don't know. But literally, like, my parents always told me, you're going to go to Renaissance and you're going to get a scholarship to college. And literally, like I said, in first grade. So right when eighth grade came around. Claim it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so then when eighth grade came around, I'm like, I don't want to go to Renaissance. Simply because my mama and daddy said that that's where I was going to go. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Cass. And, you know, talking to other people at, other people at Halley. Like, a lot of people weren't really trying to go to Renaissance. They were going to Cass. They were going to King. You know, CMA, other schools. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to Cass. I'm going to go to Cass. And so I took the test and got into Renaissance on the first try. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. Like, I didn't. I was just like, okay, I guess I'm going to Renaissance. <laughs> yeah, nothing else. Right. Can't, you can't fight it. Um, so you're at Renaissance. Mm-hmm. And... High school. I mean, I I remember you were in the you were a class officer, right, or in the center or something. Yeah, I um, was both in both. In both, okay. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, what else did you do? I mean, as far as far as like activities go. Um, that was it. I think. Really. I was in Senate. Yeah, I did Senate ninth grade, eleventh grade, twelfth grade. I was a class officer. Yeah, that was it. I think I I tried to play tennis. Um senior year but then I found out that the uniform was like $50 and I was like y'all want to pay $50 for a t-shirt and a cotton skirt no I'm okay so then that was that was <laughs> the end of my athletic career yeah at, uh, in high school yeah okay um so when all was said and done by the time you graduated you remember what your GPA was I do my GPA was a 3.93 oh because you smart <laughs> smarty arty <laughs> folks oh here's a here's a question i guess i could ask my classmates um you remember you are you friends with marcy on uh facebook of course do you remember the post that she put up like being at renaissance afraid to tell everybody you got below a 25 (laughs) (laughs) i got a i got a 23 and i swear to god when i was there i felt so dumb because I think really? some one of our classmates I think got like a thirty one or something, and I was just like, "Yeah, what the hell? What is? Do you remember what you got?" I got a twenty six. Okay. And, and I thought that that was like low, but I think didn't um, I feel like somebody got like a thirty six or like a thirty like something really really close to perfect score. I think it was a thirty three. Like Steven or somebody. Yeah, I think thirty three was the highest that I I'd seen or heard about, mm-hmm. and I was just mm-hmm. like that, like how, like what are you doing? And exactly being at Renaissance with like such, um, so many overachievers, I felt so dumb, and really? I was like so afraid to tell people like, yeah, I got twenty three. I got. I don't think I told anybody what I got until after high. It's kind of like uh, telling people who you voted for. Like you don't t- <laughs> you don't tell anybody until like you, like you're comfortable with your decision. Um, right. And I didn't know how good it was until after co- uh, when I went to college, and a lot of my classmates were like, "Yeah, I got like a 17, 18. I'm like, "Oh, guess I'm okay right. then." Exactly. Like, isn't that crazy how that works? You think. You know, based off of what other people are saying, like, you think that you get... Now, because I kind of felt the same way, even with a 26. I'm like, okay, the highest is a 36. Like, this 26 is terrible. Like, I yeah. thought that I did really, really bad. Um, and then, you know, you kind of create these ideas in your head based off what you what you think other people are doing or what you hear other people saying and things like that. And I remember when I took the test, so first of all, I was up all night on the phone the night before. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> with my being boyfriend right and so when it came for the test i was done so i think the science portion was the last portion of the test and i was like falling asleep Duh, like, that part taking it that part and kicked so, my ass what'd you say that part kicked my ass i hated the yeah, science it, portion it was not a joke and i was literally falling asleep while i was taking it and of course that was my my lowest score but you know and if i would have went to bed probably four hours before I actually did, I probably would have been a little better, too. Mm, you was trying to secure one future and didn't think about the other one. <laughs> exactly. Terrible. But I still got 26, so it wasn't, wasn't too shabby. Yeah. Okay. So, 
graduated three nine twenty six. Yeah. You graduated from high school. Where did you decide to go to college? I decided to go to the Michigan State University. Why does everybody do that? Like, you try to make your school seem fancy by putting the in front of it. <laughs> because it is. <laughs> well, it's not like, well, you know, Ohio State, it's actually in their school name, I do believe. It is. Yes, it is. Good for them. Uh, <laughs> so you went to Michigan State. So what? where else did you apply? Because, I mean, you had a pretty good GPA and a pretty, pretty good – well, I, I, I'm gonna. I was gonna say decent, but I'm like that's decent for Renaissance, but like right. pretty good for everywhere else. You have pretty good GPA. I mean, not GPA. Uh, ACT score. Um, where else did you apply, or where else? What was your initial or primary like goal for college? Okay, so my primary goal was to go to Columbia in New York for journalism. And this is gonna no oh. for teaching. Oh, just just to go to Columbia then. <laughs> yeah, but let me tell you, the reason was so ridiculous. Like now that I think about it, the only reason I wanted to go to Columbia in New York City was because baby blue was their school color, and at that time, baby blue was my favorite color. At the time, your school your favorite color. That yes, is a pretty. I've since moved on. That is a pretty dumb reason. So <laughs> I'm glad that you came I'm to your senses. You didn't get into Columbia? So I did not get into Columbia. Wow. They was like, no. Um, so then after that, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll apply. So then um, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to apply to U of M. My sister graduated from Michigan State. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to go to Michigan State because I don't want to I don't want to be like her, even though, like, I love her so much and look up to her and all of that. It's like, no, I want to do my own thing, so I'm going to Michigan. So I applied to Michigan, got into Michigan. I think we had one on a field trip with somebody, uh, one of the English teachers, maybe Miss Davis, somebody. Mm-hmm. So I fell in love with the campus. And I was like, yo, this is where I'm going. So I applied and, um, you know, did the uh, – applied with the on-site admissions counselors and all of that and got in. And then so I was like, all right, so I don't have no money. What what y'all paying? And so they were like, okay, we're going to give you $10,000. I said, what am I going to do with ten? thousand dollars that's gonna pay for a semester right right so then but then um my guidance counselor shout out to mr davis um he was like you know if you want to want to teach in michigan state has this uh eli bro scholarship that's specifically for teachers for future teachers who are graduating from dps and so i was like okay so i applied um did the on-site admission got admitted on the spot um, and then they were like, okay, so here's this Eli Bro. So Eli Bro, the it was a urban teacher fellowship. So mm-hmm. you go um, to Michigan State, they give you partial. So I had a scholarship um, from what is it? Compact scholarship that DPS gives that covers tuition. Yeah, my tuition was covered. Excuse me. Then um, I had this Eli Rose scholarship that was a partial scholarship and then it was loan forgiveness. So whatever grants and scholarships didn't cover, I would take out loans for. Mm. And then if I teach for three years in DPS, 
for every year that I've taught, Eli Bro would give would pay off, pay off, and I put that in quotes, um, a third of my loan after, you know, those three years. So in theory, when I finished my third year of teaching, I was supposed to like not have any more student loan debt. Wow. And then what happened? Mm. So <laughs> I graduate, you know, jumping ahead a little bit, graduate, going to teaching. And I realized that they don't, like, give the money to the student loan people. They just, like, write you a check. Uh-oh. So I get this check for, like, you know, a whole bunch of money. I'm like, okay, cool. So then I go to file taxes the following year and find out that, that the IRS counts this as taxable income. Yeah. So now I have a tax bill of, like, four grand. Jesus. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. So I called the Eli Bro office. Or I emailed the girl from the Eli Bro office and she say, like, uh, what what is this? And she was like, Yeah, you know that contract you signed, like back in two thousand eight, right? Yeah, on the contract you said that this was taxable income and that you were gonna be taxed. And so I was like, Oh wow. Dang it. Yeah. So what I had to do was, you know, take most of the money, pay off my loans and then save a portion of it so that when tax time rolled around I'd be able to pay my tax bill. So while having that scholarship and the, you know, the um, loan forgiveness was definitely a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish they would have kind of, you know, when it was time for us to graduate or when we were getting ready to go into the classroom, sent us a reminder like, hey, by the way, because I completely forgot. And the people in the cohort that came before me, um, you know, they got hit by it, too. Like, we were all, I mean, you know, because you, you're an 18-year-old kid. They talking about free money. So, yeah, I'm just going to sign on the dotted line, you know. So, I definitely wish that I would have... Uh, Pay more attention to the fine print. Yeah, no, it's really important to do that. Um, yes. <laughs> to pay attention to fine print. So you, okay, you mentioned it when talking about going to Columbia when I asked you, you know, for journalism, because, you know, a lot of people go there for journalism. Um, right. But you said you wanted to go to teaching. So at what point did you realize that that's what teaching is what you wanted to do? Because a lot of people, what I'm finding in doing all, because I've done like 14, 15 of these by now. Uh, I'm getting there. Uh, What I'm finding is that a lot of people, they didn't start out wanting to teach. Like, it was secondary. Uh So what made you want to get into it so early? So when I was in high school, um, I was involved in a math summer program called Math Course through Mm. Wayne State. Okay. And um, my nephews were actually in the program first, and my sister told my mom, like, you know, hey, she needs a summer job. Like, she's good at math. Sign her up. So Math Corps um, was set up. So you have middle school students. You have high school te- teaching assistants or TAs. And then you have uh, college kids who are college instructors, a.k.a. CI. Mm-hmm. So you have each – you have um, 12 teams. Each team is made up of 10 middle school kids, five high school kids, and one uh, CI, a college instructor. So the, the, the high school kids, the TAs, <clears throat> excuse me, each had two students. And so it was your job to teach those students. So I was hired in as a TA. And when I got into the program, just the way that they were teaching math was so unconventional. And it was different than anything that I had experienced um, before that. Now, even though I was really good at math, I hated it because I had um, an eighth-grade math teacher that was she was just not very nice um, and not really helpful at all. Say her name. So, I bet you won't say her name. 
her no, yes, I will. Oh, okay. Her name is uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna do that. Oh, um, I was waiting I, on I, it. No, 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 no. I was I, excited. I she's doing well somewhere. Um, but yeah, she was just like you know, well, I'm not. I can't help you like that because you're getting ready to go to high school, and so you're going to figure it out basically. And I was just like, huh. But anyway, so I came to Mass Corps. They were they were. Um, very unconventional in the way that they were doing things. You know, I'm talking about we have a mass core rap. There's, um, you know, the way, you know, slogans and things that the way that they're teaching was very basic, mm-hmm. but it was, they were, it was things that they were saying that could be applied to, to everything, right? Like, you tell me one thing and I can apply it to all five of these concepts as opposed to learning a new thing for each concept. And so when I left at the end of the summer, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I loved math at that point. And I was like, oh, my God. If I could teach this in school, then I feel like more kids would like math or at least give it a chance. Because they, you know, we had, like, tournaments at the end where we, you know, did, like, Wheel of Fortune with math problems and Jeopardy and things like that. And there was a chess tournament and a Moncala tournament. And just it was just six weeks of just, like, amazingness. Mm-hmm. So from that point, and I think I started there my, the summer after my ninth grade year. And so from that point forward, and that was also when I decided that I was going to get a doctorate as well, because the two men that were running the program had doctorates. Really? So I was like, okay, yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I can teach like this. I can also open a school like this. So that means I got to get a doctorate. Um, so since so since then, I had it in my mind, like, okay. You know, I'm gonna get this PhD, and we're gonna we're gonna make it work. Wow, that yeah, that is commitment to a goal for sure, for sure. Yeah, um, definitely. Because I mean, a lot of our like my story is a little different because that's weird. I want I went I didn't know what I wanted to do when I got mm-hmm. to college, and I signed up like my major was history education at first. Mm-hmm. And then I just dropped the education part because it was a five year program. I had a four year scholarship, and I was like, "I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not going to take out any extra money just to finish a year." Right. And then at the time, like kids scared me. I was intimidated. Really? Yeah. Like, I I, I went to college. Then I met some teenagers, and <laughs> they were just so much cooler than me. And I was, <laughs> and yeah, I was like. Yeah. I was like, I, I was like, I can't communicate with these kids, but then, so I was going to go to law school and a bunch of other stuff. And then none of that worked out. And I was just like, "Mm, let me, let me go back to teaching. I started subbing and I just enjoyed it. And the, the idea of having summers off was, was a really good deal. Oh yeah. Summers off and, and all the breaks. Yep. Yep. Definitely a perk of teaching. Kind of reminds you of childhood a little bit. <laughs> you just keep <laughs> following that pattern, and it all yep. works out. So, exactly. uh, you are well. You graduated from Michigan State, and then you went to get your master's. And yes. where did you get your master's? Oh, I got my master's from Michigan State as well. Okay, and then well, now you are in your uh, EDD program. Yes. And you're in the program now? I'm in the program now, yes. I'm uh, actually getting ready to start my third year. Oh, wow. In the program. Mm-hmm. How many years do you get? Three and a half. Three and a half. You know, uh, what's your dissertation? Yes. 
Um, my dissertation. Or do they have is, that? In there? Oh yes, absolutely. Um, I'm looking at because it's a leadership program. I'm looking at um, how school leaders view resilience, mm -hmm. um, the resilience of African American uh, secondary students who go to urban schools, and how how they foster resilience in the students. So whether that be through school programming through, you know, relationships, through school culture, what is it um, that they do in their buildings to help students uh, be resilient against, you know, different environmental factors, you know, any sort of negativity that they experience in, in their surroundings. Okay. <laughs> no, no, that's really important, though, because, uh, I mean, especially, I mean, you know, you've, you've taught in Detroit, um, mm -hmm. and you know, especially with kids like that, they come from all kinds of backgrounds with all kinds of troubles. And it's, mm -hmm. it's amazing that, uh, some of them actually do make it to school and actually do well. Um, even with what's going on in their lives outside of school. Absolutely. Um, and I feel like that was, that was my story too. Like if that was like this, the whole resilience piece was sort of like me looking back over my life was the inspiration for me choosing this topic as my dissertation. Cause even though, you know, I grew up with both my parents, like we lived in the hood, like the hood. Right. What? So like everybody around, huh? What's, what's the, you said you grew up where? What hood? On the West side. So yeah, I know you I said West side, up. but like, you get, <laughs> come so, on now you talking so to I me. I'm up, from Detroit too. I know. Okay, let me give you some, let me give you some context. So I grew up off of Schaefer and Linden. Um, so like not so like in between school class and Finkel, Cooley was my neighborhood school. Okay, that tells me a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, it wasn't a game. And so, you know, I had tons of friends on the block. Um, but you know, like some of my friends so we like some of my friends didn't graduate from high school, you got teenage pregnancies over here. I had this dude that I knew got he was a drug dealer and got killed, right? So like there was all of this stuff that was happening around me. Like, my friends were smoking weed, and they would always tell me, like, no, because there was a time. I was in, like, seventh grade. I was, like, trying to get, get them to let me smoke with them, and they was like, no, you're the good one. Like, just, like, gone. And I'm like, well, what are you talking about? So it was, like, even at that point, they saw something in me that, you know, I was trying to, like, push off because I wanted to hang out with them, right? So right. all of this stuff that I saw around me, right, and even inside of my home like we struggle financially so there were times when the lights were off there were times you know what i'm saying so i'm sitting by the window trying to hurry up and do my homework before it gets dark outside or there's times when the gas was off and there's a kerosene heater in the living room you know what i'm saying like the car yeah. was down so somebody would have to come and pick me up for school like all of this kind of stuff that i experienced and even through all of that you know what i mean still managing to go to school and to do well in school um and then when I got my senior year of uh, high school, my parents were, were going through a divorce. So, like, mm -hmm. um, you know what I mean, staying up till 4 in the morning at a friend's house trying to study for my physics final uh, the next day. And I, you know, I'm operating off two hours of sleep. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. all of that, all of those different, you know, uh, things that the research called risk factors, right? Like, why is it that I was exposed to all of this stuff? I saw all of this stuff and I was still able, you know, to do what I did when there were other people in my community who experienced the same exact things, but their lives took a different path. Like, had what totally different results. Me? Right, exactly. Like, so what, what were those things 
that allowed me to choose that path where they didn't. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's kind of the inspiration behind my dissertation topic. Okay. That's cool. Awesome. That yeah. that's certainly a that's certainly a really really good uplifting, encouraging story because a lot of kids, you know, I, I I I've learned a lot in my years of teaching. One thing that I've learned is that a lot of people, and especially kids, kids only do what they're exposed to. You know, uh-huh, they only uh-huh. do what they know is an option, and uh-huh. you won't get a lot of kids who you won't get a lot of kids who, um, you know, they'll go through whatever they're going through at home, and they're just like, oh, that's normal. Right. You know, it's like when you watch those shows about um, people and kids and gangs and they're like, well, I don't, I don't expect to live past 26. And you're right. like, what? Like, you know, other people live longer. Right. <laughs> like, right. But they don't think like that because that's not the environment they're in. So it's 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 kind of. Um, it's amazing when when people are able to rise above the circumstances um that they're in so that's that's awesome so you kind of jumped ahead a little bit but that's fine uh no it's not it's not you it's me i asked about the phd program uh or the edv program um you taught in detroit public schools correct Mm, no no okay okay i I did my student teaching teach me something um (laughs) <laughs> I did our my school teaching at our uh, high school rival, if you will. Um, Cass? I did my student teaching at Cass. Yes, okay. it was an amazing experience. Like, I loved it. My mentor teacher, like, I love him. I still talk to him to this day. Um, he was super influential on my practice. Mm-hmm. And, like, the whole math department at Cass, they're like a family. Like, it was so amazing to be there, to be there with them. But after I left Cass, I actually started teaching at a charter school. Um, and that's where I I have been for the past five years. Okay, so yeah, Cass is a very interesting, and for people who listen and not from Detroit, a very rich history in yeah. in Detroit, and it's a it's kind of amazing to me that it's it's just lasted so long. Um, <laughs> But I I think they say it has to do with a, a lot of their uh, alumni, strong Absolutely. alumni base, um, which Renaissance will have one day once we yeah. get to like 50. Are we at 50 years yet? No, I think this year is like the 40th. Yeah. Once we get to so. that. But also, <laughs> I like what uh, Miss Roberts, I'm going to have to talk to her one of these days. I like what wow. Miss Roberts said once. She said, um. She said the difference between Renaissance and Cass is that a lot of Renaissance graduates don't stay in Detroit. Mm, we all we all just graduate and then we just disperse throughout the country. So it's hard to have a strong foundation um, of, of your alumni or in your alumni base when everybody's so sp- spread out. And I think we kind of ran into that issue a little bit with the reunion, too. Because I know there's a yeah. bunch of committees people signed up for, but like, you know, I'm in Texas and people in North Carolina and California and Washington and Hawaii. Right. And all, like we're all over the place, <laughs> so it's, it'd be kind of yeah. hard for us to do that. Um, yes, definitely. So, what did you, what did you learn when you first got to, first got into teaching? You did your student teaching, but like once you actually got your class, was it like everything that you expected it to be? 
Um. That's a no. <laughs> I was about to say no. I expected to be welcomed with open arms by the other teachers, mm-hmm. by the students, and everybody was going to be eager and willing to learn. Now, because if you think about it, my career in schooling and even my student teaching experience, everything to this up to this point, I've been surrounded with students who are willing and ready to learn, mm-hmm. right? So, like, you know, in elementary school, of course, everybody hyped. You know, elementary school. Elementary school is fun. And then, you know, Hallie and then Renaissance and then student teaching at CAS, like, the most you deal with is, like, kids talking too much or wearing the wrong colored polo or whatever, right? So. Mm-hmm. I started the charter school, and I realized, even though it was in a, a, like, the school had only been around at that point for maybe four years, um, the building was absolutely beautiful, um, I realized that there was, that the culture was, was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, staff culture was terrible, student culture was terrible, and so that's sort of what I was walking into. I, um was coming in as a ninth grade teacher, ninth grade math teacher. A lot of the kids were super duper behind. Um, the school had created their own curriculum. And so, you know, I had to sort of, uh, sort of like, try and like scrape these materials together. I didn't really understand. Nobody was there to help me. So I had to figure it out on my own. Mm-hmm. So then it got to the point where I was just like, okay, well, I'm just going to, I didn't have a textbook. All I had was this curriculum that was like on in some word document somewhere and so i was like okay well i'm just gonna have to like like just teach them like what this is so at this point like not really having any knowledge about standards you know what i mean like i'm just like okay i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go and so i made it through the year it was tough because also during that year um i became the ninth grade lead teacher Mm -hmm. um so not only is it my first year of teaching I'm teaching ninth graders who, you know, ninth graders are their own special breed. I love them, but ninth graders are ninth graders. And now I'm the lead teacher. Right. So I'm the youngest person on this team. I have the least experience on the team. And I'm telling everybody else what to do. Um, So it was that year was definitely a struggle. I learned a lot. I grew a lot. I mean, it was to the point where another woman had applied for the lead teaching position, but I got it, and she was, like, in my face, like, I don't understand why they picked you, like, I have a master's in um, in leadership, like, that just doesn't make any sense, like, in my face, right? Yeah. And then people are, like, people are, like, oh, they picked you? Like, oh, wow. Now, these are my coworkers, right? Yeah. So, I was just, like, well, dang, y'all, thanks for the encouragement. Um, No, you got haters everywhere. Like, it was crazy, and then the administration you know, they would, they would try to, like, make it seem like they were trying to be helpful, but then they would, like, they just didn't always follow through. Yeah. Um, but, like I said, I learned a lot about myself. Um, I did um, form some great relationships with some of the, a few of the teachers that year. Um, you know, I loved my kids, even though some of them, you know, were challenged. You get challenging kids every year, right? Oh, of course. Um but um, I I loved them, loved, loved, loved them. Um, and so, like, one one day in particular, I remember one of my students, he actually graduated, I think, last year, 2015. So I had told them, I think he had, somehow or another, I told him that I wanted to get my doctorate. So he, and so I have this thing, you know, or, like, however I feel, I can't, I show it on my face. It's very hard to hide. 
And so he, one day, like, he was working, and I was walking around kind of, you know, seeing what the kids were doing. He was like, Miss Noble, if you know, if that whole PhD thing don't work out, you can get a job as a mime. And I was like, <laughs> what? What are you talking about? He was like, because, I mean, you would just be making them faces. Like, so if that PhD thing don't work out. And when I tell you I was rolling, like, yeah. first of all, who I, comes up with this stuff? I, you know, second of all. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, second of all, like, you're crazy, but I, it was hilarious. Oh, it's funny that, that, that you said that, uh, and that he said that, like, I, we didn't, we didn't converse much, if at all, in high school, but that's uh-huh. one thing I always noticed about you, is that you always wore what you felt on your face. Are you and, serious? Yeah. <laughs> that is one thing I always noticed, like, I could always tell when you were, like, in a, WTF type <laughs> mode because your face wow. would just show it. That's hilarious. I and, didn't see. I didn't know it was that obvious. Yeah, well, <laughs> it was. Um, but no, I mean, you got haters everywhere, man. It's and it's crazy how, like, in a field like education, and I guess you know you really don't understand it until you get a little older and in it. But like in high school, uh-huh. you just like, oh, these teachers come to work every day and they sit in front of us and, and you know, they go to meetings sometimes, but those aren't that bad. And then you become a teacher and you like, yo, they had to put up with this behind all of that. Exactly. Right. And it's just a bureaucracy. Like people, it, it's just like any other job, except, you know, uh-huh. ain't no money, ain't no real money involved. But, you know, people right. want to climb to the top and, and they, they compete and, you know, they want to. Especially if they've been there for a long, long time. They're like, okay, my time's got to come eventually. Exactly. Exactly. And it was, you know, it was, it was, so it was really, really hard um, that year. But like I said, like I grew a lot as an instructor um, and even as a leader, right? Like I just, it was great. Um, the, the amount of growth and stuff. But I tell you that when the year was over, I was ready to leave that school. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Because my um, the guy who was supposed to be my student teacher at CAS, he became like the the math like instructional coach, if you will. And so he's calling me like, "Yo, we got a spot if you want it." So I'm like, "All right, bet." Like I'm I'm leaving. I'm going to CAS. And so, um, but we were getting a new principal, and the principal I actually had a relationship with from Michigan State for mm-hmm. my freshman year. And so, you know, I was cool with him. So I walked into the office like. This was before school started, my second year. I was like, look, I got this interview at CAS, and they want me. So I'm just letting you know, like, I'm leaving. And so he's like, but you know, if, you know, things are going to be different. And I knew who he was. I knew sort of his philosophy on education. So I knew that the script was getting ready to flip. But I also knew the other teachers that were going to be there. And I'm like, if they don't be here, then I'm good. Like, I'm leaving. And so, um, you know, I went on the interview. They offered me the job. But then, you know, I kind of... I ended up deciding to stay, mm-hmm. um, and I'm really, really, really glad that I did. Yeah? Why is that? Yes. Um, so this, at our school, so my principal, well, he's actually moved on to a higher uh, higher position. I believe he isn't the principal anymore. But the so our main focus um, has been sort of this education for liberation um, thing. So – we have focused a lot on um, culturally re- relevant education, mm-hmm. you know, really learning, really being intentional intentional about 
teaching black kids, right? Like we're teaching black kids. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. How does the material that we use, how does that help us or hinder us when it comes to teaching black kids? So there was a lot of professional development around, you know, just bias and, and, and racism and sexism and sort of that lens that everybody has when they come into the classroom, those, those stereotypes, preconceived notions. We do a lot of work around that. Um, and really just become, there was a lot of very intentional PD or professional development mm-hmm. around um, being a good instructor. Um, so I learned a lot, read a lot, tried a lot of things. Some stuff went great, some stuff so great. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but overall, um, the administration provided a lot of materials for us, like, to learn and grow. Um, and I really, really appreciated that. And my principal, like, because he and I had a, a relationship prior to, he was always pushing me. So, like, you know, me co- coming out of Renaissance, like, homework is a non-negotiable. Like, you're getting this homework, you're getting a lot of it, and you better do it, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, so I came into his office one day because my kids, they weren't doing their homework. And I was absolutely upset. I'm like, I'm someone, I'm calling parents, I'm giving out zeros, and it don't matter, they're not doing it. So I go into his office, and I'm like, yo, these kids are not doing their homework. What am I supposed to do? And he was like, well, Janice, why are you giving them homework? I'm like, what do you mean why am I giving them homework? They're supposed to get homework. Like, you know, and I go into my whole renaissance thing. You're right. And he's like, but what is the purpose of the homework? I'm like, reinforce what they did in school, blah, 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 like all of this. And so then we go into this conversation about, okay, well, can they reinforce, well, can, can what they've learned at school be reinforced at home in a different way, right? Like, so instead of giving them 50 or 25 problems where they're doing the same thing over and over, can't you assess what they've learned in a problem or two, right? And if kids are not doing homework, instead of fighting with them about it, Let's try and figure out something else. And so at first, I was like, man, he's crazy. Like, he's supposed <laughs> to get homework, right? Yeah. Every single day, even on the weekend, over Christmas break, like the whole thing. But then the more that I thought about it, um, and he probably would do cartwheels if he was hearing this right now. Um, the more that I thought about it, I realized, like, a lot of times we, we teach the way that we were taught. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just being sort of creatures of habit, you think, okay, I got a lot of homework, so they're going to get a lot of homework, too. But in the age of social media and short attention spans and all of this kind of stuff, I had to I had to shift my mind and change my approach. So what that meant for me was instead of me giving out homework five days a week, that turned into two or three days a week, right? And mm-hmm. so I did a lot more um, of, of formative assessments in class, so like quick check-ins. Like I had a Twitter account my first year that I would use and had kids respond, do, you know, answer questions for homework on there or like do a quick agent ticket before you leave out of the door. Um, hmm. You know, small things to to make sure that they're learning, that, that they're picking up what, I, what I'm putting down, you know what I'm saying? Um, but in a way that's relevant to them and that gives me the information that I need. I like the class Twitter account idea. I'm gonna take that one. Yeah, I'm gonna do something yeah. with it. But uh, no, it's it's really good that you that you had that talk because I I kind of went through a lot of the same issues my first year in that, mm-hmm. uh, and it kind of drove me to like a a, a depression in a sense because hmm. just like you said, I've always been in situations and in schools where um, getting kids to focus on their grades wasn't a problem. 
So, right. you know, the focus was I'm going to go to school with hopes of going to college. So when I got into public schools uh, down here in Houston for the first time, I, I was like baffled. I'm like, why don't you care? Like, why don't you right. do homework? Like, why? Why is it so hard? Like, you know, and, um, you know, I just had other people telling me like, yeah, you, you these kids are different. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and, and then realizing, too, that. You know, not everybody was as fortunate as I was. Um, And, you know, experiences. And then you got to deal with kids who don't have Internet at home and the kids who don't have the ability to they don't have the ability to do anything because they got to watch their brothers and sisters. or They got to, you know, they worried about eating and they worried about ducking an abusive parent or something, you know, just all these different Mm -hmm. circumstances. And I'm just like, oh, okay, well. You know, and then I had to switch up, so I don't. I didn't give homework, or I don't give as much homework to take home. I usually like last few minutes of class, knock this out. Right. You know, if you if you don't finish, just bring it back, but not too much in the homework sense. Um. So let's step away from the classroom a little bit, and let's just okay. t- get into like kind of you personally. It's like, so what do you do for fun? Like, how do you unwind and and, and cool out from your day? Um, and dealing with those uh, situations. Um, so it it depends. Um, on the day, I you know sometimes when I come home, I might like so like watching uh hair tutorials on YouTube is like my thing. Really, like one of my things. I love watching hair tutorials. Yes. So okay, <laughs> I might do that. Um. I, you know, sometimes I just sit um, in quiet for a little while before I do anything else, um, you know, so just kind of sit and relax, um, just to kind of unwind from the day. I might watch YouTube videos. I might, you know, watch a show. Um, it really just kind of, like I said, it really kind of depends. If it's nice, you know, I might go somewhere, do something outside. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just. It just really depends on on the day. Sometimes I might take a nap if I get home early enough, um, but that's rare. Jeez, so. man, I've never gotten to like this nap thing. Listen, it's just... I've gotten to the point now where it's like I'm not staying. I'm not staying after school to six or seven o'clock, five o'clock even. Like we got this past. Oh week, hell no, never. Three five. <laughs> right. So like, I'm trying to be out the door because I I take advantage of like my prep. Sometimes I'll come before school, so like three, like four o'clock, it's like the cutoff. And it was some, it would be some days where I'm like, you know what, I'm just not doing this. So the kids walk them to the door. It's three ten, three fifteen. I'm grabbing my stuff and I'm gone. So if I get home before four o'clock, yeah, it's not time. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, that wasn't that wasn't you know every day. So. Okay. So yeah, that's you know very, very chill. Yeah. So what have you noticed anything? And I mean, you you've done ninth grade math, right? Mm-hmm. So, ha, what have you noticed? Uh, and maybe you know, we we get older, so we look at different eyes. But like, what have you noticed is a di- difference between like kids in our generation or when we were kids and like this generation? Because I always hear older people. Uh, I, I had a I, I I used to okay. My school was so overcrowded that we had seventeen teachers floating from room to room. Right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the they built the school for. Okay, this is Texas, so the numbers are going to be big. They built the school for twenty two hundred kids, 
and we mm-hmm. ended up getting twenty nine hundred. Wow. Yeah. Um, so uh I talked to I shared a room with a a lady who had been teaching for uh she did eighteen years, retired for five and then came back and was doing like her third year or something. And wow. and um I asked her, I said, What's the difference, you know, between these kids and and uh the ones you taught before? And she was just like, These kids are just different. Like <laughs> She's like, back in the day, you know, you can get kids to, you know, pay attention, do homework, and, you know, they're pretty, pretty, pretty on task. He's like, these kids just, they're not on task. Um, have you noticed any differences that kind of stand out to you between our Absolutely. generation and other? Absolutely. I think that we are in the age of instant gratification. Mm-hmm. So, whereas when we were in school... Especially, okay, so, you know, we had computers and stuff a little bit, but earlier on, um, elementary school, you wanted to do a report. Okay, my dad takes me to the library. We pull out the encyclopedia, right? Encyclopedia. Now, now, literally anything that they want to know is in the palm of their hand, right? right? Like, it's, it's easily at their fingertips. So, you know, we find that a lot of kids, a lot of kids now, they just know more stuff mm-hmm. than we knew. So, like, this past year, I taught sixth grade, and it was just mind-blowing to me how much these kids were exposed to, right? Because a lot of them, they're on social media, they're on Instagram, they're on Snapchat, all of these things, and nobody is monitoring them, yeah. right? So, you know, sex and, and, and music and violence, all of this stuff, they're exposed to a lot more. They know a lot more. Drugs, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so because of this instant gratification, their attention span is a whole lot shorter. So whereas we could sit through a 55-minute lecture, you might get 20 minutes, maybe, maybe, before kids start squirming or, you know, they got somebody got to go to the bathroom or whatever. So I think those are sort of those two, uh, the, the instant gratification piece is huge, and it, play, it pays into the attention place into their short attention span and then also i find i have found that um a lot of students are very like they're very entitled like they feel like you're just supposed to give them something or just because they said so or just because that's how it's supposed to be like you're supposed to give me an a just because you're supposed to give me an a you know what i mean like and and sort of that hard because of this age of instant gratification for a lot of them hard work is not it's not really a thing, right? I mean, when when I was growing up, there was no such thing. First of all, there was no such thing as YouTube, first of all. Second of all, now YouTube is actually a viable career option. Like, I've had kids, like, yeah, when I grow up, I want to, like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, like, play games on YouTube, and I'm, this is going to be my career. You know what I mean? So yeah. they have so many other ways to make a living, like, just off of being who they are. Like, I don't have to get a degree. I could just have a banging personality and get on social media and people will pay me for that. So it's like, so why do I need this? Why do I have, you know what I mean? Like, why do yeah. I have to do that? I can just make my own way. Um, it's interesting. Because I am who I am and people are going to love me. Yeah, and it's interesting too. Like, I see that, especially that last part about, you know, them being paid for their their personalities. Like, I kind of see that too in, in our generation. Because uh, yeah. a lot of people that I know, um, a lot of people I know, are they're doing YouTube hair tutorials and they're starting, you know, channels and blo- and vlogs and uh podcasts and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I started a podcast, yeah. but 
I didn't, right. I, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't get into this thinking I was going to get paid because I, I actually listen when people talk and they're like, ain't no money in this. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, they, 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 their world and their options are way different than ours. And for a lot yeah. of teachers, it's, it's a difficult thing to grasp. Uh, you mentioned, it's funny that you mentioned like they're exposed to a lot more. Uh, and I, I read somewhere that because they're exposed to so much more, it kind of tears away that, uh, they're, they're, you know, like, like age boundaries, you know, yeah. like yeah. when we were kids and in high school, even if we were walking down the hallway and a teacher heard us use a cuss word, that teacher would have said something. We would have felt bad and, yep. you know, been very careful after that. I work at a school and I don't know about any other uh, school. I'm pretty sure it matters, but like kids don't care about using curse words in front of anybody now because, wow. because they, they see, they know adults are going to cuss because they see it on their YouTube videos and, you wow. know, they see it everywhere else and they're like, Oh yeah, they do it. So, you know, and plus that on top of the, um, was was the word you look, uh, they, entitled yeah they're like yeah i'm gonna say what i want and you better not say anything about it (laughs) you know um but you mentioned short attention spans i have a theory well not theory but they can do studies on this and you know when kids are in their phones those little notifications and everything that they get is like a hit Mm -hmm. it's a it releases dopamine in the brain dopamine Yeah, yeah yeah and you know that's the same chemical in drugs so if they're constantly in their phone getting constant stimulation and constant dopamine release, if you ask them to put it away and just listen to you <laughs> for like 15 minutes, they're going to be like, okay, like yep. where's, where's this dopamine going to come from? You right. Know? And it becomes addictive. Like, and so, it is. you know, we run into, so like a lot of, and that's another thing that's different too. A lot of the drama that we've had, that we've had with our students, starts on social media. So, like, you mm-hmm. come to school at 8 o'clock Monday morning, it's a fight. And I'm like, well, what the heck? We just got here. Like, why are y'all? No, because over the weekend she was on Snapchat, da, 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 you know? And then this is, like, a whole other thing. And so then you have to, like, investigate and, like, go on and have the kids send you screenshots and, like, all of this other crazy stuff. But I will say a benefit of that, though, is that a lot of our students um, – are now sort of speaking up for themselves. Um, Like if you think about, you know, kids in terms of like social justice and speaking out, you know, for, for injustices that are happening, happening around the country. A lot of the people who are at the forefront of this are high school kids. You know what I mean? So a part of having that exposure is also giving them the exposure to the world around them. And so I think if they have people around them who are sort of shaping that context for them and shaping helping them use their voice in, in a positive way, um, it can be very, very powerful for them. Like we had a group of kids at our school who started um, a group called Activism Making Change, and their whole thing was sort of bringing attention to, you know, the injustices in the criminal justice system and, and, and inequality in public school education and all of this stuff. And these were like 10th and 11th graders, right? Yeah. And so because they were in an environment where, where they felt like they were hurt and there were other people around them to like help shape their voice. Like I think I was their, I was their advisor for I think a year or two. I don't remember. Um, so, so that's another sort of 
spin on it, even like because they have access to so much information, if they use it the correct way, they can use it as a tool to both be empowered and help empower other people. Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting. Like it's almost like a catch twenty two, because it's like because right. it's like okay, like you're gonna like you're uh, entitled, ex- you're entitled and exposed, but that entitlement and that exposure is also kind of working in a way to kind of try to improve on things uh Mm -hmm. in ways that generations before didn't have because a lot of people well i mean just people in general are like a um shut up and take it kind of thing like we just endure a lot but a lot of these kids you know like you said they're exposed and they know that you know there are options out there and different ways to to behave and think all right so we're about an hour in and uh be ready to wrap this up here. So my final question to you is uh-huh. K through twelve, who is your favorite teacher? Oh, K through twelve? Yeah, K through twelve. Miss Fletcher. Miss Fletcher. Uh, I think I had somebody else on here say that Miss Fletcher was a favorite teacher too. Um I only heard horror stories, so you're going to have to help me out here. <laughs> okay. So, Miss Fletcher, first of all, Miss Fletcher was no joke. No joke. That and was a I horror story. Her, yes. I had her in 10th grade. So, I uh, took um, Algebra 2 and Geometry both in 10th grade. And Miss Fletcher was my teacher for books. Mm-hmm. Okay. She was not a gay. Um, but again, like, because I was always sort of like all my P's and Q's, I just always did what I had to do. So like hurt me in the game, no game really wasn't a problem, uh, for me. One of the things that, um, stuck out to me when I, so first of all, I'm, you know, so they say about math people, you're either like a geometry person or an algebra person. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely an algebra person. So geometry was a struggle for me at first. Um, and so on my first geometry test, I got a D and so, I was in somebody else's class, and the special was subbing, and she came up to me and was like, um, we need to talk. You got a D on your test. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I've never got a D on a test in my life. Like, what do you mean? And I got that test, and I was hurt, like hurt. And I was just like, oh, my God. Like, so when it when I think it might have been before the semester final or something, I brought that test up. Like, okay, I don't understand this. Mm-hmm. And she helped me. Um, and you know, other questions that I would have, I did, I did better in algebra two, honestly, than I did, than I did in geometry and algebra two was an 11th grade class. But, and then not only that, that I had that experience with her, she also worked at math Corps during the summer. Um, so I got to see her and her, and her name at math Corps was funky Fletch because she would like come up with, uh, with rap songs. And she did this for us in geometry too. Like she would take songs that were on the radio and like, like, rap them you know using like math terminology and stuff mm-hmm. and she would like and so when we would be at math court in the summer she would do the same thing and she would freestyle and it was just amazing like and so even though she was not a gang um she's a really really nice lady and she has a really like warm personality and you can tell that like she really really wants you know for kids to learn and grow and all of that kind of stuff so that's why miss fletcher is my favorite teacher Awesome. Awesome. Well, shout out to Miss Fletcher. I am no longer afraid. Uh, 
But no, yeah, she's the bomb. Yeah, I, 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 with uh, if you go back and listen to my episode with Lily, she talks about Miss Fletcher. Um, so I, I get it now. I get it. You know, um, the tough ones sometimes are, you know, they get horror stories and then they end up being like people's favorites for a bunch of different reasons. Or you, you see another side of it that other people don't because they're so focused on their, you know, their emotional response to it. Um, right. But that's so that's so good and so awesome. Well, Janice, thank you so much for coming on here. Um, thank you for having me. No problem. This was a good conversation. Oh yeah, of course. And I I, I love having you on. You you, you got you, you got a lot to say. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and that all that's 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 always a good thing. Um, that means you got a lot to share. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on. Um, and. Again, this is the faculty meeting. And Janice, you are dismissed. <laughs> Thank you. <All> right. <laughs> See you later.